Hey everyone, it's Craig Valentine calling from TurbulenceTraining.com, and I'm here to give you another seven days of fat burning tips. <clears throat> Pardon me. And this week's call is interesting, a little bit different than normal. We're full of research tips on fat loss and training this week. It's really a different call. You're going to get a lot of proven ideas from research. So stick around for this one. Now we're also finishing up this week the seventh. Turbulence Training Transformation Contest. I'm very proud of everyone, really awesome, really excited that we're going to have some voting, that we're going to have people getting and showing off their amazing results. So we will have that soon. And even better news is for all the new people, we are going to have the 8th Turbulence Training Transformation Contest starting on May 3rd. That will be the first day to enter. And May 31st will be your last day to enter. Okay, so... Make sure that you mark those dates. If you haven't done a contest before, you're going to love it. It's a lot of fun. People really like to get the great results, and it really is life-changing, okay? So all you need to do is use Turbulence Training Workouts. You don't need to pay anything. You can just get in the contest and have a great time. All right, but until then, here's something that I posted on my Facebook page that got quite an interesting response. And I said, if things aren't going great, What's at least one thing that you can do to start making a change today? It doesn't have to be big, and you don't have to tell me what it is. You just have to tell yourself and then get started on making that change because that's how things get done, okay? That's how you make the progress. You make that change, you get started, you just get moving towards the end goal, okay? All right, so now we're going into our fat loss tips for Monday, April the 12th, our transformation tip of the week is from our good friend, George Foreman. I'm sure that you had a George Foreman grill at one time. I had a George Foreman grill, and I used to cook chicken breasts on it every night. And I haven't used it in years. I, still, I don't have it anymore. Um, obviously, I wouldn't be using it that much anymore. But certainly, it was a good step in the right direction for many, many people all over the world. And I read George Foreman's book called Knockout Entrepreneur the other week on my flight to Vegas, I think. It was really great. It was actually, I was surprised how great it was. A really good book if you're a business owner, if you're into uh, personal improvement, you'll like his boxing stories in there and how they apply to your business. But George said this, you can do more. You're better than that. You can dare to dream even bigger, aim higher, do more, be more, earn more, and go further. If nobody else believes you can do it, I believe you can do it. I believe you can. But whatever you do, Commit with all your heart, and don't stop until you get where you want to go. So thank you, George Foreman. That was really cool. I really liked what he had to say there. Again, he had some crazy stories. He was a different guy back in the 70s when he was first rich and famous. Uh, then he kind of went downhill, lost a little bit of money, and became a pastor in the late 70s and has a very strong message to share with us and became the heavyweight champion again in the mid-90s. 17 years after his last heavyweight championship. So that's something that was thought people thought was impossible, but now there's guys boxing into their 40s, but George was one of the first to do it. So make sure you check out that book if you're interested in George's story. Now we're going to get into our first of three or four research studies this week. And the first one is about the fat-burning power of kettlebells. So finally there's some research on kettlebells that comes from some guys in the United States, in Missouri, actually, at Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri. And what they did was they had 10 college guys 
very fit guy, relatively fit guys. The average college guy has a VO2 max, which is aerobic fitness level, of about 50 to 55 milliliters per kilogram per minute. That's how they measure that. And so these guys were about 53 milliliters per kilogram per minute. So pretty fit guys. And what they did was they completed a kettlebell exercise routine of as many two-handed kettlebell swings that they could complete in 12 minutes. So if you've seen some of my videos, you've seen the kettlebell swing or you know, you know that exercise. And they did this for 12 straight minutes using a 16-kilogram kettlebell, which is a 35-pound kettlebell. So it's not really, really heavy for these guys. But what they did were they, able to, they were able to complete 265 plus or minus 68 swings. So some guys did about 320, other people did about 200 during the 12 minutes, and they achieved an average VO2 of 34 milliliters per kilogram per minute. So that is about 70% of their maximum VO2, and they had an average heart rate of 165 beats per minute, which is higher than 80% of their maximum heart rate. So what the researchers concluded was that kettlebells provide a useful tool that allow trainers and coaches to improve the cardiorespiratory fitness of athletes and, and clients, obviously. So, very interesting stuff. I mean, I actually posted this on one of my blogs, and a whole bunch of kettlebell guys got really angry at me, thinking I was trying to claim that I invented this. But all I was doing was reporting on this study. Uh, but anyways, apparently in the kettlebell world, there's a 12-minute kettlebell test, and this is what you do, as many swings or something in 12 minutes. Um, but again, some people in the fitness industry are just so weird and, and angry and uh, looking for a way to to uh, start fights, but I wasn't trying to claim anything, but uh, some people took exception to my reporting on this study. Anyways, you can do this 12 minutes, you can do 15 minutes, you can do 10 minutes, whatever, but, you know, don't jump into kettlebell swings too fast. If you've never done them, it can certainly cause your low back to be sore because of the movement, so make sure you work, work your way up using a light kettlebell, doing maybe three minutes straight, then six minutes straight, then nine minutes straight, and then work your way up to a full 12 minutes. So make sure you start light again. These guys were young, strong guys, and they only use a 35-pound kettlebell. Uh, but anytime you do something like 300 times in 12 minutes, you run the risk of an overuse injury. So do train safe and conservative. Okay, so into Tuesday, let's get over 30 minutes of fun activity. We're going to grab our green tea and do this work's main research review. And it comes from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, and they were looking at a whole bunch of research studies. They want to go through the history of research studies and take a look and see what's better for building muscle, one set or multiple sets. So for years, guys have wasted their lives arguing over this one versus three sets argument. So, you know, will I get big and strong using one set or do I need to do three sets? And in the bodybuilding world, it's been a big thing. Mike Menser was a famous bodybuilder who did one set to failure. And then there's you know, every time you open up Flex Magazine, it's three, four, five, six sets per exercise. Um, so lots of research out there. And what uh, what they did find when they crunched all the numbers from studies was that, that multiple sets are associated with 40% greater hypertrophy than one set in both trained and untrained subjects. Now, it's 40% um, greater results. Not necessarily you're going to get 40% bigger muscles, but... They were, they were talking about 40% greater what's called effect sizes. So that's looking at the results and how, you know, it's a very scientific term, and I can't even explain it properly. So it's not that you get 40% bigger 
muscle gains, but 40% greater significance uh, with this multiple sets. But really the bottom line is whenever possible, you probably want to do more sets for exercise for muscle growth. Uh, also of note, they didn't find any significant difference between two to three sets versus four to six sets per exercise. So if you did six sets of bicep curls or barbell bicep curls, you probably won't get greater results than if you do two or three sets. There's really just a lot of diminishing returns. Otherwise, you know, why not do 40 sets, right? But one set is going to be good. Two sets, three sets, probably better. Four to six sets, not better than two to three sets. So keep that in mind um, when you're doing bodybuilding type work. And also keep that in mind if you don't want to do bodybuilding type work, but you do want to train your muscles for strength, just doing the one set will probably result in less growth, okay? So very interesting stuff there to keep in mind, and I talked about a little bit, a little bit about that this week in my Thinner Thighs article that I posted on the TT Fat Loss blog. Okay, another study here for Wednesday. This one, we're going to show you how you can get fit playing sports. Now, that's quite a novel concept, isn't it, to actually have fun and get fit. You know, in the last 20 years, all people talk about is using the treadmill and going and using machines when you can really get fit and lean and healthy by just playing sports. So, uh, you know, the only thing you have to watch out for is the after-game beers and wings, which probably keep a lot of guys fat because I play a lot of ice hockey and, you know, a lot of guys play just as hard as I do and play frequently, but for some reason, they remain high in body fat, and that's all because of the nutrition. So, anyways, we do have some very interesting stuff that we have uh, with the this study from the European Journal of Applied Physiology, and it's called Muscle Adaptations and Performance Enhancements of Soccer Training for Untrained Men. And so it's from Denmark, and these guys do a lot of interesting soccer training studies and a lot of muscle biopsies, and they do a lot of very, very in-depth scientific work. So what they did was kind of a neat little study. They had 38 untrained guys, and they put them into one of three groups. So they had a soccer group where they did small-sided small, uh, recreational games, and then there was a running group, and then there was a control group, which didn't do anything. And the soccer group and the running group, both of them worked out two to three times per week, and the workouts were an hour long, so the running was just cardio. And soccer just, you know, blew it away, really. I mean, they just had so much better results than the running group because they had higher lactate levels in a training session, meaning that probably increases growth hormone and fat burning. They had higher heart rates, and they had increased muscle fiber size after the 12-week program. Now, it wasn't massive. You're not going to get huge legs, obviously, from soccer, but it was slightly bigger muscle fibers, whereas the running, the traditional cardio did not have increase in muscle fiber. Soccer increased the muscle aerobic enzyme activity. So when you're talking about your aerobic fitness, there's two components of it. There's the delivery of oxygen to the muscles by your heart and lungs, which everybody thinks is the only component of cardiovascular fitness. But then there's the uh, uptake of oxygen by your muscles and the utilization of oxygen within the muscle cell, which is another component of aerobic fitness. And that's why you see all those interval training studies these days showing that you can get the same fitness increases as traditional cardio because traditional cardio doesn't have as much of an impact on the muscle level of cardiovascular fitness as interval training. There's so many more adaptations. And so that's why that's very important to have those increases in aerobic enzyme activity from soccer but not from running. 
Now, soccer and running both increased aerobic fitness after four to eight weeks, but after 12 weeks, only soccer had another increase in aerobic fitness. And finally, soccer also increased 30-meter sprint performance, but running did not, okay? So, man, so many great benefits, and, and running didn't do anything better than soccer and any of the other measurements that they took. So, very important. What can you say? I mean, that playing soccer, playing ice hockey in small groups. I mean, we used to play three-on-three ice hockey in our, this mini rink, and that was probably one of the you know, most intense two-hour exercise sessions I ever had. It was just so much fun uh, compared to going in and working on a treadmill. So if you can arrange for this type of training, you're going to be so much better off. You're going to be training with friends. You're going to be getting more fitness adaptations. And, again, just watch out for what you eat and drink after. But uh, I highly recommend it. All right, into Thursday, do your 30 minutes of fun activity. And if you are overeating these days, just remember, this is a message I posted after Easter weekend, don't go depending on the cardio confessional where you go and do 30 or 60 minutes of cardio trying to burn off a meal that you had the day before. You can't burn off a 2,500-calorie binge with 30 minutes on the elliptical machine. It's not going to happen. So just forget about it. Instead of doing that dreaded cardio workout, Focus on your turbulence training workout plan. Focus on games. Focus on doing activities you love. And focus on fitness with the mindset of building up your body and not breaking it down and punishing yourself. And one other kick-butt mindset tip I want to share with you that I posted on my Facebook page at uh, turbulence facebook.com forward slash turbulence training fan page is don't be satisfied with the norm if you want more. It's okay to want to achieve special results. The world needs folks who dream and achieve big things. So keep on pushing to reach your full potential. Persevere, never give up, and don't let anyone hold you back. Going back, going back to what our friend George Foreman said, you know, he, all believe, he believes that we all can do more, and he believes that we can do it, and whatever you do, commit with all your heart and don't stop until you are where you want to go. And that's the same message we want to give you here. Persevere, never give up, and don't let anyone hold you back. All right, Friday, it's chill-out time, and I'm now for a surprising message on the five reasons why I believe that yoga works for fat loss, okay? So first of all, the lifestyle, the yoga lifestyle is, is often associated with a better diet. Most people who do yoga don't eat at McDonald's. They cut back on their animal products. They drink green tea. They probably don't go out and binge eat pizza and all that type of stuff. Now, obviously not everybody follows a better diet when they do yoga, but so many people do, and it's such a better lifestyle that that's number one reason. Number two is that you're in tune with your body, and that's going to combine with the first one where you're not going to overeat and binge because you're, you know, your body is going to send you signals, and when you get into yoga, you can probably better appreciate those signals of being full and uh, feeling crappy after eating bad food. And so by being more in tune with your body, it's going to be very important for you. Social support is the third reason. And we all know the power of social support for fat loss. And we know that being in a group and hanging around people that have good habits, you know that you're going to pick up those good habits. So very important. It decreases stress. And whether or not stress can give you belly fat, I'm not 100% sold on that. But it will help you decrease stress, and if you stress eat, then this is a great, 
great thing for you to do yoga, decrease stress, and avoid that binge eating. And then finally, you know what? If you're spending an hour and a half in a room stretching, that's an hour and a half where you're not sitting on your couch eating Doritos. And that's the fifth reason. If you're stretching, you're not eating. So very important there. Combine that all. The lifestyle, in tune with your body, social support, decreased stress. And if you're not, if you're stretching, you're not eating. And so really it's not about calorie burning or anything. I mean, you might burn some, you'll burn some calories, obviously, a little bit more than if you sat on the couch. Maybe double, but not nothing crazy, even if you do it in the hot room. Um, you know, it's not interval training. It's not lifting heavy weights. So, you know, it's difficult, clearly, when you get into the advanced poses and, uh, you know, you're doing your headstands and all that type of stuff. It's very difficult, but it's not the same. So, really, it's all these other things. It's the lifestyle in general, and I wish you success, and I think it's a great addition to your off days. By all means, if you like yoga, do it. Just don't overstretch. It's like anything else. You can hurt yourself if you do it improperly. All right, into Social Support Saturday, my favorite day of the week. We want you to do 30 minutes of fun activity, or if you want to do a little bit longer yoga session, by all means. Now we're going to talk about more research. Uh, this one I don't have any study references, but it was an article I read in Wired Magazine last winter, and the researcher who does all these studies, his name is Nicholas Christakis, and he's from Harvard University, and he has all this research on how our network of social friends influences whether we gain weight or whether we start smoking or, or keep smoking, all that type of stuff. So here's what I want to talk to you about. He says that weight status is associated with our friend's weight, but also our friend's friend's weight and our friend's 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 weight. So three degrees of separation, or I don't know, maybe that's nine by the time you get up to that. It's Kevin Bacon style here. But what he found was if one of your friends smokes, your risk of smoking increases by 61%. If one of your friend's friend smokes, your risk of smoking increases by 29%. And if your friend's friend's friend smoke, your risk of, incre of smoking increases by 11%. So it's all about this network. And he says we are influenced by networks so that if our friends gain weight, we gain weight. And you probably heard about the study that showed if your friends were fat, then you're going to get fat too. And he also says the opposite is true, that if our friends lose weight, then we lose weight. So what his bottom line is, is that we need, we need to get one person to lose weight so that others around them may lose weight. It's a snowball effect. And you may have heard about a study that, that uh, showed that if one spouse applies healthy behavior to their life, then chances are that the other one will too. Now, I know there's a lot of marriages out there where you know, there couldn't be anything different. I mean, people are at the opposite extremes. One person is healthy and the other person is eating junk and they'll never change. But, you know what? I hung around a lot of people that have changed their healthy behaviors over, over time. When you're in university and you're, you know, exercising and, and not drinking every day, a lot of people are doing the opposite. They're not exercising and they are drinking every day. But, you know, five or ten years later, my friends who were, were, you know, partying hard and eating crappy, and even after university, one of my best friends was drinking two liters of soda and, you know, coming home, having a nap, then eating, then having a nap, then eating again and going to bed. You know, now he's even healthier than I am. So, you know, just by being a positive role model, you will get other people to take action and improve themselves. 
it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but, you know, if you believe in healthy lifestyle, which I'm sure you do by listening to this call, it's going to be very important and it's going to be very valuable and it's going to be very, very impressive to other people and they will change. So uh, Dr. Christakis is talking about improving one person's life. We can then help improve other people connected to them. So he talks also about focusing on hubs of networks to help people lose weight. So even though, you know, we want to help one person, he says targeting groups for change is more effective than targeting individuals because you create social ties and you spread weight loss like a germ, he says. If you can get a group of people, whether it's a church group or a boot camp or a Weight Watchers group, all together and get people having success, then more people within that group will have success and they will invite more people into the group to have success. You know, Alan Cosgrove always talks about how... You know, if he has a couple of people training at a certain time of day and they're getting great results and then other people start training at that time, the people who train at that time, the new people, start to get great results too because they want to live up to expectations. They want to see what these other role models are doing. And research shows that if you train with someone who's losing weight, you have a better chance of losing weight as well. That was another study I've talked about in these calls. And the more time you spend on a weight loss forum, the more you... You know, the greater your chance of losing weight. And the more accountable you are to a professional, professional uh, nutri uh, nutritionist, nurse, doctor, trainer, the greater your chance of losing weight and losing belly fat. So all of this stuff is so darn important, this network, this social network. And, yes, there are lone wolves who can go out there and do it themselves. However, there's a lot of people who are going to benefit by doing it in these groups, okay? So very important there. Now let's get into Sunday, 30 minutes of fun activity, plan, shop, and prepare, and our final bunch of research studies we're going to go over. We're going to go over three different ones here about helping you make small changes that will allow you to eat less. So research shows that we simply eat until we are finished. And the next little section here I'm talking about is from a book called 59 Seconds, which is a nice review of a lot of research that we can apply to our lives. And so... Again, we eat until we are finished, meaning whatever we put on our plate, we eat. Whatever we put in our bowl, we eat. If we put a ice cream in a big bowl, we'll eat it all. If we put ice cream in a small bowl, we'll just eat what's in the small bowl. So there was a researcher, uh, last name is Wansink, and the study is published in the Obesity Research Journal, and they have what's called this famous soup bowl study. So they had people sit down at this table, and it was all rigged up, and they actually refilled the soup bowl from underneath. So as the person sat there and ate, the soup bowl was continually refilled. It was like the never-ending soup bowl. And so they sat there for 20 minutes. And what they found was when people had this refilled soup bowl, they ate 75% more soup but were no more satisfied than the people who didn't have a refillable soup bowl and, and uh, you know, just ate regular soup. So they ate almost twice as much, but weren't any more full from the soup. So make sure when you are consuming your soup or your salad or your spaghetti that you simply use a smaller bowl if you want to control your portion. Another study, same guy, Juan Sink, from the British Medical Journal. What he found was if you poured liquid into a tall, narrow glass, you'll drink less than if you pour liquid into a short, 
bigger glass. I'm not sure what the opposite. Stouter glass, I suppose, is the opposite of narrow. Um, but so if you want to go somewhere and you don't want to drink a lot of calories, but people are insisting you have a drink, try and get a drink in a tall, narrow glass, and you will drink less. Very interesting. And then finally, one sink again. He strikes again the third time with the International Journal of Obesity Study. And this one we summarize as out of sight, out of mind. And what they found was when they put candy in an office, they put it in two places. They put it really close to everybody's desk, and then they also put it at the far end of the room. And when they put it at the far end of the room, people consumed two pieces of candy per day. But when they put it within arm's reach, they consumed six pieces of candy per day. So did, And they also had these other studies, it might have been the same study, where they put candy in a, a transparent jar, so a glass jar you could see through, or a jar that you couldn't see through, an opaque jar. And they found that if you couldn't see through the jar, you ate less candy. So really the bottom line is here, to decrease the intake of candy and junk is to keep that food out of sight, out of mind, and in difficult-to-access areas. So if people insist on bringing junk into your house, put it in a high cupboard, in an opaque jar, and keep it out of sight, out of mind, and you'll eat it less. Now, easier said than done, I know, but that is just some good tips, little tips that will be able to help you eat fewer calories if you're struggling right now. So that's it for this week. Those are our six or seven research studies. We've got some great information there. Maybe one of our best calls ever. And next week, we're going to try and top it by going over the TT Big Six Circuit by doing a research review that compares supersets versus traditional resistance training, by getting Dr. Chris Moore's number one diet tip, by getting the number one factor that experts agree on for fat loss, and then also getting TT user feedback on the most important changes they made in their programs to lose fat. So all that great stuff next week. I'm wishing you another seven days of fat-burning success. And I will talk to you soon. This is Craig Ballantyne from TurbulenceTraining.com. Have an amazing week.